I don't know that I need to preach my message anymore. Amen. Julie, you nailed it. <laughs> Knocked that one out of the park. Way to go, you. Um, I was really convicted, actually, as I was worshiping. Um, I, just, I just want, I want this place to be a place where Jesus can dwell and not compete for our other interests. And so I was feeling really conflicted and, and, and convicted by the way I talked about the coffee shop and the way that came out. I felt it was, it was a little maybe harsh, and so I'm sorry. Um, I don't want anybody to hear shame, condemnation, or feel guilty about whether they like coffee. I certainly don't. <laughs> but I do, I just do not forsake the gathering together. The body of Christ. And this, this needs to be our priority. This is where we come together and it's, it's, we, get, we get to feel the unity of the Spirit of God in this place. And we get to realize that we can, we can do because our neighbor next to us is doing. You know what I'm saying? Like We can't overcome because our neighbor next to us overcame. Through the power of Jesus Christ manifested in their life, they can come to a place of saying, listen, I can help. Not because I have the strength, but because Jesus helped me. So I can share with you so that you don't feel alone in what you're going through. So you don't feel alone in the struggle. You don't feel like, like you don't have anything left. Don't leave it all inside. Mm, yes, don't leave it all inside. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, and that's 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 all you're called. That's what you're called to do. You know what? You know what that is. You and your truck. You're an open vessel, saying, "Here's an open vessel. The Spirit of the Lord is where we're going, and I want to take you to where we're going." And I'm, I'm like, I'm filled up with the Spirit of God. And come on, like, come to the table, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is the table. That last song and what Julie shared, that is, that's my message this morning. So you guys, you know, that's, that's really it. She already gave it away. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm just, whoo. God is doing something. Hey, you know what? I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> Cause I, yeah. yeah, I can talk all I want, but it's not going to achieve anything outside of the power of God, outside of the presence of Jesus. So I can stand up here, I can share testimonies, I can share stories, I can do, but if it's not out of this and it's not infused with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, 
that's where the power resides. That's where everything happens. And so, you know, I just feel the passion and zeal that, that you're sharing back there because that is it. And so, so Father God, we just, I just want to pray. I just want to open us up in prayer. Father, I thank you and praise you. I worship you, Lord. And it's, the beautiful thing is it's not just me. These people, us, this body you're creating, that you're drawing together into your presence, that you're trying to instill more and more and more of yourself into uh, so that we can be the little Christ we were made to be. Father God, I just pray that this morning you do a work in this fellowship. Receive ministry from the Spirit of God right now. Let Him minister to you right now. Close. If you're thinking other things, if you're looking around, just close your eyes and really try to focus in on, on Jesus. Try to focus in on what He did for you. His mercy poured out for you. Jesus. Tune our hearts. Sing thy praise. There's nothing worth more. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, so, <laughs> as I was praying and preparing for this morning, my head was all over the place. Uh, some of you maybe know that the, the pastoral team here, we got away for... A few days. We went on down to a, a pastor's conference in Orlando, Florida, um, that a, a community down there uh, named Je by the name of Jesus Image, right? It's like, who else do we want to be an image of but Jesus? And so we, uh, we, we went down there, and um, it was really exciting for Kira and I, because we have been tracking with that particular community and a number of the speakers that were going to be speaking at this conference. Um, for a number of years, a couple of years, we've been listening to sermons and watching some services and listening to their worship. And, and like they, you know, for, from our perspective, like they are serving a, up a new wine and some fresh bread is what we refer to it as. Like there is, uh, there's, just some, there's a word that they have that's, it, it's a, it's a, this is the time and this is the season in the body. And what was really cool about being down there is the collective nature of the gathering. There, we met people, we were sitting and having lunch and dinner with people from, you know, Southern Baptist Church, the Assembly of God's Church, you know, Christ's First Church. You know, we were, we were sitting with people from, we met a girl who was from Nigeria but lives in the UK who came all the way there for this conference. Like it was a unified, or it was like a diverse but unified conference. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And so it was, um, it was just exciting to be there. And I was just like, man, like, you know, probably the most notable speaker most of you would know is Francis Chan. Um, you know, he is just, God has anointed that man. Because you know why he is, he's humble. He's not willing to expose the struggle but he's always saying, this will overcome. Jesus can overcome. And he's just so authentic. And, and he's carrying, I believe, a, a prophet anointing for the church today. You know, and I, I say, I don't throw these titles around. Because it's like, that. 
it's, these are God's assigned roles for different people and different individuals. And so I don't like take it lightly, but I believe he's got something that he's sharing and that's just a relationship. Like this was him the entire time at the conference with his Bible. I, it struck me deeply to the core because I felt like he was like, this is my friend. This is my comfort. This is my everything. Like he was like, as he's worshiping, as he's praying, on his knees, whatever, he's embracing the word of God in such a beautiful way that I was just like, I was moved by it. If you haven't done that, try it. If you go home and just hold on to your Bible and just hug it. Like like let it be the thing that intercedes in the place. Like you're like, this is Jesus. It's his story from beginning to end and onward into eternity. That's his story, and that's, that's so good. And so I was just really impressed. Like, he was there, and then a number of other people, and I was like, yeah. I was like, I have a couple of thoughts, by the way, that I'm kind of leading into regarding the message, but there were different things that God was showing me about what to say this morning. And so the first thought was this. I got there. I was so excited to hear these guys speak who I've been listening to their sermons, and I've been kind of eating from their table uh, by proxy, online proxy. And, um, and I was there, and I was just like, God, I can't wait to hear you know, Michael speak or Francis speak, all these things. And all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Spirit. as I was, We had just had this amazing time of worship with all of these people. And I sit down, and I'm getting my notebook out. I'm ready. And all of a sudden, it was like, who are you here to hear speak? Which one of these guys has something more than what I have to offer you? Not a one. Not a single one of them have something more than what God is trying to say to me and what God has created me to do. And he's saying in the midst of all of these things, because I found myself frustrated, they started speaking, and that's where it really caught me. That's when I got the prick, because I'm trying to take notes, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're going too fast. I can't keep up, right? You're like, somebody says something, and I'm taking notes, and then they've said like three or four other things, and I'm mad that I didn't get it. And now I'm looking at Kira, and I'm like, Kira, did you catch that? Like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm like, this man, Rich, he's a note taker, man. I got to get your notes. Um, He's like 20-some oh, pages of notes, and I'm like scrambling. I'm like, I don't know how you keep up like that. He's probably got some shorthand skills I'm not aware of. Um, <laughs> there's a lost art. Um, so, so, yeah, it was a, um, it was, I was just feeling this pressure of trying to keep up with the notes, and all of a sudden God was like, you're writing down what I'm giving you to write down. Like, you don't need to try to catch everything. I'm giving you the nuggets you need for what I'm asking you to do. And so you don't need to keep up. I got you. Thank you, Jesus. Just handed that over to him. And and so I, I, you know, the Holy Spirit, this is my first point, and I want to make it really clear. He's our counselor. In John 14, 26, guys, don't worry about this. It's not up there. I didn't send this one over. I just am referencing it really quick. It says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. And in that moment, he reminded me, I'm all you need, man. 
I'm sitting right beside you. I'm talking in your ear. It's like the translator, right? You know, you go to conferences, and there were people there that were from different parts of Asia, and there's I saw people in the back, and they're trying to translate everything people are saying. I'm like, that's the Holy Spirit. He's here, guys. Don't listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what he's saying. Seriously, don't listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what he's saying because he has a word for you this morning that's far greater and far more powerful and far more life-changing and transformational than anything I can say. Thank you very much. I covet that. Amen. Yeah, brother. Yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> Thank you. I love you. Amen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what I want to talk to you guys about is this listening with your heart. That's the next thing that I really heard is listening with your heart. It's like, because when we hear with our ears and we process through our processor, we can tend to, to, to feed off knowledge, and knowledge is all well and good, but as the Bible says, knowledge puffs up. And then we start to think that we know more than what this has to say, or that we somehow understand it all, and it can create pride in our lives. And so, be like the Holy Spirit's our counselor, but what are you tuning in with? And, and I, this is biblical. David. King David was a heart listener. He had ears attached to his heart. It was like it went straight there, and then he, he ministered straight to the heart of God, right? He was a man after God's own heart. And so the, the heart is where this, our, it's like this is where our spirit resides, is internally. It's a, it's a heart that, that then informs our mind and our living. It's very much like the kingdom of God. It's very upside down. And it's, and it's, you know, I'm not saying don't take it to the mind and process things. That is not what I'm saying. So don't, don't say, don't hear me say that everybody just needs to like shut their brains down. Don't, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that there's more of a biblical order by David's heart posture and the format, the, 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 the way in which he lays it out. It's, it's the part that God's after. Because there's... Yeah, I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit trail. Um, <laughs> I, just to give you some indicators as to how David communicated and communed with God and how he, the heart was really a, a large part of which, through which he had his relationship was uh, Psalms 28, seven says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart celebrates and I give thanks to him with my song. Psalms 119, 34, 36, this isn't, David, this is one of his psalmists, but it shows the way in which a leader's heart posture can develop a, a heart posture in those who serve him. 
and those who are around him. So King David was, he was affecting his kingdom in such a way that the heart posture of, you know, the priests and the psalmists and those who were with him were affected. And, they, and, and so, uh, I don't know how to say the guy's name. It's actually just H-A in English, ha, or he, H-E, he. But he says, help me understand your instruction, and I will obey it and follow it with all my heart. Help me stay on the path of your commands, for I take pleasure in it. Turn my heart to your decrees and not to dishonest profit. And it was, it was an incredibly unifying conference. And it, it instilled such a hope. It instilled such a hope in me, guys, for the body of Christ, singular. It instilled such a hope in me for the bride of Christ, singular. The temple of the Lord, singular. Like he's, put, like he's drawing it all together, and that's what, he's, that's what he's about. And in this season, we need to be about it too. Because that's what his word says we need to be. And so we need to understand who we're listening to, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, how we're listening, where we're supposed to be receiving these things and allowing them to penetrate our hearts, to transform it into such a way that the way we think is kingdom. Not earth to kingdom, but kingdom to earth. That's the difference between listening with with your, your knower, your like knowledge, your mind, and listening with your heart, and it'll, it'll inform your mind and make you understand that not everything goes, everything that you can think, right? It's, it's the thing that makes us say, not all of science these days makes sense. But the one who created science will always make sense. So God is the greatest scientist that ever exists, and he will always be, and the way he designed things is the way things are supposed to be. And as we're getting our information from him, it, it then informs and it infiltrates and it penetrates. And it, it can, because he's a redeemer, take back ground that's been lost to the enemy. Amen. He's working towards that end and he's drawing his body together in unity, saying Jesus is the answer. And his story, history, he's the center of it. Amen. And everything we, have, everything we have to do, everything you know, that, that we're doing and living out in our lives, in our day-to-day -day lives, needs to begin to be informed by the Spirit impacting our hearts. Because there were a lot of things, David made a lot of mistakes. But he often, you know, I need to get some water. <laughs> um, you see the result, though, in the way David humbles himself after the fact. And that's, that's a big deal. And that's ultimately where we're going this morning. The message from this conference that we were at was really simply this. 
I mean, you can talk to AJ or Tammy and Rich and Ann. We all got things out of this. But if I could sum it up in one overarching idea or thought, is that Jesus is all in all. Amen. He is and will always be enough Amen. for whatever it is you're going through, for whatever it is you're struggling with. He will always be enough. And if we're bringing it to the source, if we're coming back to the source, he will answer us. He will move and transform and, 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 and shift. Even in those times that what we, and this was something, I'm not taking credit for this, even in those times that, this was something I heard at the conference, but it struck a lot of us, the times that expectation and reality don't coincide. The times where you expect good, but you get bad. The times where you, where you expect blessing, but it doesn't feel like it. And there's a discrepancy, and you're saying, how do I reconcile this, God? How do I, how do I reconcile this? God is enough for that, because in between is the cross. He's saying, I did this so you can overcome that. It's, it's the unifying factor between those things. And in the midst of it, we feel sorrow. In the midst of it, we feel grief. In the midst of it, we feel mourning. In the midst of it, we feel sad. We feel broken. We feel for other people. If you're an empathetic person, like you, dealing with the sorrow can be tough. But if we don't have the cross to walk across, it can consume you. Because your, your grief and your sorrow and all the discouragement starts to lead to, to, to frustration. Starts to lead to dis, disappointment and, and depression. And it starts to fester and, it starts, and you, you start to doubt whether or not he's enough. But he is always enough. Amen. You've just got to remember what he went through for you. That's why communion is so wildly important. Because every time we say, your body was broken and your blood was spilled, so that's, that's living life in view of the mercies of God. And that is, that is the thing that leads us to just laying it all down for him and saying, God, I trust you fully and completely. Um, so if he's, he is enough, and just to back that up with Scripture, because it's always important to do, Ephesians 1, to 23 says, And he, God the Father, put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So I just came from a conference where many, many tremendous leaders are saying this same thing. And, 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 and so I'm not just pulling anything out. This is scriptural. This is the truth. This is the way, the truth, the life. And there, so he is our all in all. What we have to work at is becoming, this is the picture God gave me. 
We have to work at becoming like Russian nesting dolls. <laughs> no, you guys, you guys all know what Russian, the nesting dolls are? Yeah? Yeah. I'm like, I I, they're such cool, like they're just really cool. I like them. They're like, I could sit there and like take them apart all the way down and put them back together and take them apart and put them back together over and over again. I don't know, there's something about them. Um, but they're, they're just neat because it's like you take one apart and what's inside? A littler one. And what's inside? A littler one. What's inside? A littler one. And a littler one. All the way down to the list. And, and that's, that was like a spiritual depiction dropped into my mind this morning is what, is what does all in all look like? All in all is that we walk in Jesus. And when people pull that veil back and they look at you, when then people uncup the, 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 like the, the presence that is you and they're looking at you, are they seeing Jesus? Are they seeing something else? And the Lord willing and, and that they see Jesus. Like that's the desire, that they pull apart the doll and they see Jesus. And then when they, they dig a little deeper, right, beyond the surface, it's not just facade. That as they dig a little deeper into who you are, as they get to know you relationally, and they pull the inside of you, the relationship part of you apart, they still see Jesus. And then Jesus, and then more Jesus, and then more Jesus. That was really cute. I was thinking about this, and my, uh, my daughter Chloe walked up to me, <laughs> and she saw on my notes, rushing nesting dolls. And uh, she's like, oh, Dad, Dad, I, you can take mine to church and, and show everybody. I was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, wait, but yours is like a nativity set. <laughs> so hers is like, there, you know, you take it up, but there's an angel, there's a, there's a Joseph and a Mary and a shepherd and a, and a main, yeah, like, yeah, and then Jesus is the baby, <laughs> you know, when you get to the bottom of it. But what does that all reflect? Jesus. The whole story. Jesus, 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 Jesus. So this, this, it's still the same. I'm like, that's, he wrote it. <laughs> I didn't write it. He, I'm like, I, he wrote this and said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. And so if Jesus is the point, if Jesus is the point, um, then it stands the reason that the first message and this is where I started to ask the Lord. I said, Lord, sorry, microphone. I think I'd know better than that. <laughs> Being that my background is in this. Um, but anyways, if Jesus is the point, I was like, God, I, I, like, we're, we're, we're like not new to the fellowship, but we're new to the fellowship. Like it's a new season. There's a new thing that's happening. There's a new, uh, a newness. <laughs> I want, yeah, wineskin. A new wineskin. And we want so much to be able to contain that newness, the new wine that God is trying to create and put in it. And, you know, I'm telling you, my wife and I are proceeding in fear and trembling. We do not want 
to in any way, shape, or form be the, the pastors of this church. <laughs> Melissa laughs at me. We don't. I want to be a sheep that is so in love with the shepherd, I'm right behind his heels. That's all I am. That's all any pastor is. But we also have a call to lead sheep. So it's like if I'm, as long as I'm staying on his heels, then, then hopefully people will see that he's the good shepherd and that his way is the best way and that that's where we're going. That's where I know that's where Rich and Ann are at. I know that's where AJ and Tammy are at. Like we know that all we want to be is sheep that are feeding where he, the green pastures he's leading us to, uh, trusting in the, the valley of the shadow of death he's leading us through, that we're just resting in his presence and that we get to be in the end at the table with him. That's it. Like, that's, that's our desire. I know that's my wife's desire. My wife is homesick. Honey, I love you. Um, but I, I, that's our desire, is to just be sheep that are so hungry after him. Um, and so I was praying. I was like, well, then what's the message for kind of, you know, we talked story. We're still kind of talking story. Um, <laughs> his story. Uh, but what's the message for, for the beginning of all this, for this new season, the new place that we're at as a fellowship in a church? Like this, is, there's a shift much greater than just what's going on in these four walls. There's a shift that is happening across the globe. And so I asked him, and, and, uh, and he said, what's more important than the message that was most important to Jesus when he started his ministry? Could there be anything more important or more significant than the first message that he had to declare out of his mouth? I said, no, not at all. There's nothing else. Like, if he deemed it that important to be the first thing that he went around preaching, then I think it's worth us preaching. As the, at the beginning and the offset of this, because it changes everything. This message was so unbelievably important. If you guys want to flip to Matthew 4, 12, 17, if you're flippers, if you're phone users, swipe, touch, shift. Hi, Sandy. I love you. I was like, ha. Ah. Hmm. Matthew 4, 12 to 17 says this. When he heard that John, this is Jesus, when he heard that John had been arrested, talking about John the Baptist, he withdrew into Galilee. And this was right after he was baptized by John. And the Lord audibly said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So if you ever wonder if he's God's son, like, check that out because God says it himself. And everybody heard it. There's witnesses that heard it. So it's not just a you know, thing. It's legit. He left, and, and then he goes to the wilderness, goes through his temptation. He comes out of the wilderness, finds out John had been arrested, and he withdraws into Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill that which was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, the land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, along the road by the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who live in darkness have seen a great light. And for those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So he's just walking around fulfilling prophecies, because that's what Jesus does. Um, if 
you're curious, 300 of them in the Old Testament, nailed them all. <laughs> He's just pop, pop, pop. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. Other translations say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Like it's that close. It's that nearness. It's right here. And so that was Jesus' first message to the masses. Very similar, right? Almost identical, if not identical, to what John the Baptist was preaching when he was baptizing people. He's, they're coming out of the wilderness. They're wondering what he's about. And he's like, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is coming. As he made the way for Jesus to come along and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near or is at hand. I like that translation because it was him. He was the physical manifestation of the Messiah that John was proclaiming. He's coming along. He's like, I am the Messiah, and I'm not changing the tune. Like, you still have to do this. You still have to repent. There's no other way around it. Amen. Like, you can't just get Jesus and see all these things happen. Like, Jesus himself is saying, repent. And, and so that's what we have to do. Like, I know I'm, I've been away a little while, but I also know a lot about the history of this fellowship. I know a lot of the history of this fellowship. I grew up in Russell. I've heard the rumors. I've heard the gossip. I've heard the slander. I've heard the accusations. I've heard and heard and heard all the stories along the way. I've also heard a lot of the good things. Don't let me ever forget that. I'm just saying, though, right now, like, we, are, we, we need to take care of some spiritual cleansing. And, and you, know, you might be new to the fellowship and haven't been a part of this fellowship and therefore aren't aware of some of these things. And so you're not, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just got here. But I can guarantee, because we all do, I can guarantee that somewhere when I, like, when I said you need to repent, that you might have had something pop up into your mind that you're like, ooh, is he talking to me? I can guarantee it. Like, I, you know, that there was something probably, well, I shouldn't say I can guarantee it because I don't know where everybody's at. I'm just saying, like, I know if it was me and I hear that word, I always go right to, to fact-checking my life. <laughs> like, do I have a Wikipedia thing that's going on here where I'm not aligning my, and my discernment is off and I'm not getting the honest truth for myself? Or, you know, not that all Wikipedia is that way, but I'm just saying, like, you know, it has a reputation of not, of, of not being 100% factual. But... Sometimes we are not 100% factual with ourselves. And, and one of the things that is Satan's title is deceiver. That was a huge part of the conference when we were down there. I love that. Francis Chan was like, this is what I pray all the time. God, don't let me be deceived. And then he posed the question to the whole congregation, which we thought was funny. 
do you know when you're being deceived? And some people started to raise their hand, and then they're like, and he's like, that's it. You don't know when you're being deceived. Like, that's the nature of deception is you don't know. You can only find out that revelation through Jesus Christ and through his word and saying, does my life align with this and this alone? Or am I adding to the gospels other things that's allowing me to be deceived to think that it's the gospel plus this? Like, am I allowing my theology to begin to, 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 to take away from this the truth of the word of God and other people that were, are talking to us or we're reading other books and the book is determining what we think or what we believe rather than the word of God? We can easily be deceived by a lot of voices in the world. This has to be the priority numero uno. Numero uno. Numero uno. And gloria a Dios. Yes. Adios. Yes. Um, yeah, amen. So, so yeah, we've, we've got to. And so I just want to talk to you guys really quick because, you, you know, some people are like, well, you might have felt something. You might have felt a check in your spirit. You might have felt a conviction of the Holy Spirit. You might have had a, a moment when you heard this is Jesus' message to the church where you're saying, oh, no. <laughs> but, like, mm, it, it, Satan wants you to live in fear and not freedom. So he is going to make you afraid of the shame potential of what you've done and afraid of confessing it, afraid of addressing it, afraid of saying, you know what? You know what one of the biggest non-repented things is within the church? Unforgiveness. We get hurt, we get offended, we get upset about something and instead of instead of having a conversation we go to somebody else and or we go to some other church and we oh my goodness I'm so glad I'm out of that place <laughs> and it, guys we're, call, we're called to be one body how can we live in unforgiveness towards other parts of the body that's like saying I, I'm going to do away from the elbow down I just don't want anything to do with this part of my arm like, we have to be a people who can understand how to um, engage with honor and with respect other people's opinions without it upsetting us, triggering us, and making us walk out. Yeah, amen. We've got to be. We've got to be a place where, like, we are the intersection between, like, God and the world. And God's saying, go to the world. Go to the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But when you go to the world and you say, this is my opinion about what you're doing, all of a sudden they're like, ooh, I'm not interested at all in whatever God you're talking about. Like, that's, we, can't come, we can't combat fire with fire. Unless it's Holy Spirit fire. <laughs> and like, you know, like, we can't. We have to. Like, we have to be able to recognize when there's fire, and we have to be able to come with Holy Spirit water. And we have to recognize where there's, where there's you, know, uh, you know, other things that we need to come against it in the opposite spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, we can't combat spirit to spirit. We have to come with it from the Holy Spirit leading us and saying, you know, if this is pride, opposite is humility. You know? If this is hate, the opposite is love. So when people are saying they hate the church, 
We don't need to hate them back. God already loves them and died for them just like he died for you. So then we combat love, hate, hate with love. Like that's, that's the way the kingdom of God works. And so, so I'm sorry. I'm like, I got to get to it, man. We got stuff to do. Um, so the story of hmm, the story that I felt God highlight to me as I was kind of doing some digging into this idea of repentance and just what it looks like. What does it look like to truly repent and to like really step into this and to just embrace it fully, you know, and like, I, he led me to second, or if you guys want to flip here, we got second Samuel 19, chapter 19, verses 18 to 23. And this is, this is a story about King David. And this is right after he had fled Jerusalem because his son Absalom had led an uprising against him. So his son was mad at his dad because his son had a sister that he felt his dad didn't stick up for properly. Right or wrong, you can come up with your opinion. Yeah. Right? But, and, and that can cause a lot of issues with how you look at David because that's our... Our opinions can cause issues. <laughs> if it's not filtered through this, guys, if it's not filtered through this, we can, we can get into muddy waters. And so, so Absalom has taken over the city because a lot of Israel thought that they were being loved by him better than King David and heard by him better than King David. So, he, so David, with a lot of his officials and a lot of his people, they flee the city. And Absalom, um, you know, steps up, becomes the king, and shortly thereafter dies. A couple chapters later, King David's off, and he's going, why? Like, you know, like, this is my land. Like, and he, he could have come back in, but he didn't. He, he, this just shows the heart of David. He doesn't, he sends a letter, he sends messengers and says, hey, guys, like, what do you think about me coming back? Like, what do you think about me stepping back in as king over the land? He doesn't force his authority. He's like, I don't, he was much like Christ. Christ doesn't force his authority over you. Christ knocks gently at the, at the, the door of your heart and says, like, I'm here. But he's not going to barge in and take over. And David did very much the same thing. He's like, guys, I'm, like, do you want me back? Because I want to come back. And so, so they say, yeah. They like, assess it, and they remember. I love that. I always love the remembers in Scripture. They remember what he did to make Israel Israel. So they remember all that he had done to accomplish making the nation what it would have been. And they say, yeah, come on back. So then, so then David is on his way back. Now, this is where we're at. Now, Shammai, here's a little back story on Shammai. This guy in, uh, in, in verse 18, he, as David was leaving a couple chapters earlier, was taking rocks and pelting David with them. He was yelling at him. He was like, get out of here. You, you, get out of here, you scoundrel. You man of war, you man of bloodshed. And he was pelting him with rocks. And one of his guard was like, do you want me to kill this guy? 
<laughs> Ant's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> no. But there, he's like, you want me to kill this guy? And this guy's like, and, and David, I just love it. He's like, you don't know why he's doing that. This might be the Lord's way of telling me I need to be humble and I need to accept this. Who thinks like that? Like who? Really, who thinks like that? Is willing to just take a beating because he wants admonishment from the Lord. He wants corrected. He wants to be pure and holy and right before God. It's his, it was his number one priority. And so he tells the guy, don't kill him. He's like, let's go. Come on, let's go. And he leaves his kingdom where he was rightfully king, primarily because he probably didn't want to kill his own son because that's what it would have resulted in. It was an upheaval in the nation. And so he leaves, and he comes back now at this time. And Shammai, this is, this, guys, this is such a beautiful depiction of repentance. Shammai, he's the son of Gera, he comes and he falls down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. And then he said to the king, do not let my Lord impute iniquity upon me or remember what wrong your servant did on the day that my Lord King left Jerusalem, that the king should take it, or that the king should take it to heart. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Therefore, here am I, the first to come today of all the house of Joseph to go and to meet my Lord the king. But Abishai, or Bishai, the son of Zariah, this is probably the same guy that told him to kill him on the way out of town, says, says to him, <laughs> maybe, I, don't, I didn't fact check that one, but he's like, shall not Shammai be put to death for this? Because he cursed the Lord's anointed? And David said, what have I to do with you, sons of Zariah? How, what does that sound like? It sounds like Jesus and Peter. Peter's like, no. We will not let this happen to you. And Peter's like, you don't know the will of my father. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> and this is like, David's like, step aside. Like, you're, what you're trying to desire, what your will is right now, is not the heart of God, because his heart was connected to God's heart. He says, what have I to do with you, sons of Zerah, that you should be adversaries to me today? <laughs> Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I, do I not know that today I am king over Israel? Therefore, the king said to Shammai, you shall not die. And the king swore it to him. I just... I want to take a moment and just think about, like, what would our reactions have been if somebody was stoning us one day and coming to us in this manner the next? Now, this was what struck me as significant in my own personal life is just what my wife shared last week with all of you. My wife told you, she came up here, and she was just like, listen, I had an addiction to affirmation. And because of that addiction to affirmation, I found, I found pleasure 
in other men outside of my husband. And so she came to me just like this. Just like this. And if you analyze this, this is what, this is what we have to, to, to be like. This is the representation of true repentance that led to David's grace being in mercy for this individual as opposed to condemnation and death. He says, your servant, or yeah, I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Shammai showed remarkable, and this is kind of like the, the point number one. If I was going to have points, and if you want points, here's a point. Point number one, he was extremely humble. His, hum, his humility in this moment, he was humbled by God. His humility in this moment was depicted in his posture when he fell face down before him. His posture represented the lowly, contrite heart of somebody who was like, I'm so sorry. My wife weeping on the couch when she called me back into the house represented a lowly and contrite heart. As she began to tell me, I'm so sorry. The other thing is that Shammai represented in this is that he, he showed honor. He showed honor to the king in the moment, the one who he had wronged, the one who he had sinned. A lot of times when, when we're dealing with discrepancies with, between other people, we're like, I'm so sorry I did that, but if you hadn't done this, then we wouldn't have had this issue. <laughs> right? So often we try to justify why we did Even in the middle of our repentance, our sorry, we're saying, I'm sorry, but if you hadn't, or if this hadn't, and we try to downplay the significance of what we did wrong. And what we did wrong was just wrong, and we have to just own up to the fact that we sinned. That's what he did next, is he just plainly stated, I have sinned. He was honest with himself and with the king. That's what he did. So he was humble in his posture, he was honoring in his delivery, and he was honest about his offense, what he did. He took ownership for what he did. And lastly, and probably the most important thing to take note of is that Shammai's repentance, it was coupled with action. It wasn't a moment in time that stumbled upon him. He initiated it with intention. I'm going to go and meet the king today and tell him I'm sorry and that I sinned. You guys get it? He, like, like I don't know what's going on because I've been largely outside of the circle. So I know little things, and I know little things here and there just within the, 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 the fellowship here, that we so desperately, desperately want to see healed and whole and healthy and operating with a kingdom mindset that transforms people's lives and transforms the region. I'm not, I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I'll continue to say it. I'm not looking to have four services. I'm looking to have a body of Christ, gate connected to gate connected to gate. This is a gate to the kingdom of God. And so is the next church and the next church and the next church. And so if we get to where this gate is functioning, 
and protecting and is a safe place to enter into God's kingdom, I'm happy. Outside of that, like, let's get, let's get busy connecting the body unto itself across denominational lines, across theological lines, across, you know, preferences, opinions, entitlement, whatever it is. And some of these things might be things you're struggling with this morning. Some of these things might be things where you're saying, you know what, I've been too opinionated about, about this. Or I've been struggling with a sense of entitlement about this. Because sometimes, guys, when we let Jesus into our hearts, when we let Jesus into the home, the dwelling that is our hearts, we, we, we're like, yeah, Jesus, you can come in here. The house is yours. Oh, but don't touch that. Oh, no, no, don't. No, eh, mm, mm. There was like, there was a season when we were down in Mexico at the base down there our, at, with YWAM that our base leaders, the place was their home initially. So when they opened it up, when God told them to become a YWAM base and families started coming with a whole bunch of kids and they had this, it was a yurt that they lived in as their private dwelling and they said, God, this place is yours. Come on in, everybody. They literally called it Rancho Abierto, open ranch. And, uh, and it was like, that was their heart and that was the heart God gave them. But there was a, a, a transitional conflict where the family started coming and Cups started getting broken. Cups that they had been holding on to. They're like, I got this, you know, when they were doing missionary journeys. I mean, personal, like, in, they, but they really felt like we're supposed to have these out for people to use, you know, and, but then one would get broken, and all of a sudden, you know, and I love her dearly, and I would, she knows she said the same thing while teaching, but Sue would be like, oh, like, my cup. <laughs> and then she would get, you know, it, it, it was upsetting to her. God, sometimes in our lives, when we say, Jesus, you're Lord of all, we're like, you're Lord of all but that. Or that, or that, or that. Don't touch that. Don't move that chair. No, I like how this living room is set up. Please don't mess with my living room. No, I like how this coffee shop is here, right? Please don't mess with the coffee shop. Sorry to bring that too soon. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> You're like, get off the coffee already. We love coffee. So, so Kurt uh, or AJ or somebody that wants to come on up um, and just, we're going to go into a ministry time. We're going to go into a ministry time. And I, I have brought up a bunch of papers and a bunch of pens. And they're laid all across the altar here. And here's the thing. The reason I'm saying this is the spot to make it happen is because of, Number, point number four, true repentance requires action. You can sit there and be comfortable and say, oh, I'm so sorry. Or you can get up, come to the king, lay yourself out. <laughs> say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm you guys got to get used to this. You got to get used to it. Guys, he is your all in all. But for as long as you have the, whatever it is in your life, you don't look like the nesting doll you need to look like. <laughs> you don't have it all cleared out.
And so I just want to end by the, saying this. Um, this is a quote by Charles Spurgeon that I just love. He says, perhaps you have been like Shammai who cursed King David and you are afraid that Jesus will never forgive you. But David, David, a man, forgave Shammai and Jesus is ready to forgive you. He delighteth in mercy I do believe that the harps of heaven never give to Christ such happiness as he has when he forgives the ungodly and saith, thy sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Guys, God is waiting right here. And so I just want to, can we shut the lights off and get some stage lights on? I just want to create a moment. Like, I want you to be bold. I want you to be courageous. I want you to bring forth anything. If there's a name that came to mind, somebody who you are holding unforgiveness towards, if there is a, if there is a, um, a situation or an addiction, if there is um, bitterness that has taken root, Like these papers and pens, I just, I'm going to have some people available, Rich and Ann, AJ, Tammy. Um, we're going we're gonna to be here to pray with you over these things, but you, for now, it could just be coming forward and just writing it down on the piece of paper and having it out with the Lord and saying, Lord, I repent. If you want to come to us, and say, I want to pray with you over this and through this, then we are available to pray with you. Here's the thing, guys. Some of it might be bitterness towards God. Some of it might be you're upset because, like I said, you're having a hard time reconciling between expectation and reality. Bring that to him because I'm telling you the cross is enough. And when you bring it and you, you submit it at the foot of the cross and you look up at your Savior and you say, in view of the mercies, I present myself as a living sacrifice before you today, holy and pleasing, for that is my true act of worship. He will bless that repentance. So guys, I'm just, there's plenty of paper, plenty of pens. I tried to make sure there was enough for everybody. And I'm not trying to lay it on thick, but I'm just saying, like, I'm laying it on thick. Because we got to cleanse the body of Jesus Christ of the impurities in order to be that which he's designed us to be and is calling us to be holy and set apart, sanctified and pure. But if you have places to go and, and things to do, um, don't feel bad. I understand that. <laughs> but we just ask that, that if you do, that before you get up or start talking or mingling or whatever, just go on out to the lobby and you guys can, oh, brother, yeah. Luke, we got this?
in. So in moments like this, it's sometimes at least for myself, like, oh, I don't want this person or, oh, I don't want to go on. But, like, we need to really fear God more than we are worried about what somebody's going to think about us or how we're perceived. Because at the end of the day, only we, yeah. Only one thing matters, and that's that we make it to the day where we stand before the king and we hear, good, well done, good and faithful servant. And God, I want to be there with all of you. And so, uh, and I believe I will. I don't, I'm not saying nobody in here is going to be there, and I'm just saying, like, I just want us all to be together. <laughs> I do. So, Father God, I just pray a blessing, uh, Lord pray a blessing, Father, because it is true that just prayer in itself is an intentional action. Just prayer, talking to you in and of itself is an intentional action. So Lord, if, if that's the action that's taken today, if that's the step that's taken today is just repentance through prayer and conversation with you, I'm sure you're pleased. I know it. So Father God, I just pray a blessing over every single man, woman, and child in this building. And I ask that you, that you do the work that only you can do. Present us pure and spotless and holy before your, your son. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.